Paris is the redemption of the prequels. There was a point during the final episode where it dawned on me why this series is so important to me. I've always wanted more stories with these characters. And not just more stories, but better stories. If you were so excited for the prequels and you just didn't come away feeling with them like you wanted to, the Clone Wars animated series is your way back into the depth and the complexity and the character and the fun that George Lucas really wanted for those movies. And it is also the story of managing fear. It's one character's entire journey to become the kind of Jedi we wish there were more of in the world. The prequels are imperfect pieces of fiction. Even the biggest prequel fans I talk to, they have nitpicks. And we all have nitpicks. We're nerds. It's what we do. But Dave Filoni and the Clone Wars crew have looked at the prequels and have taken something as it is, as it exists, and built upon it. They didn't sit there. They didn't armchair write. They didn't rally against it like is so common in internet culture. They accepted it for what it was, and they built something even better and grander out of it. I think it's truly beautiful, and it speaks to what makes Star Wars so important to me. I didn't know that I wanted stories with new characters involved with the characters that I wanted more stories from. And I not only got all of that, but I got an entire new lore and a new parallel storyline of redemption and loss. And it's amazing. It's also just freaking awesome. Greetings and welcome back, everyone, to Let's Talk About Star Wars, about Clone Wars Season 7, Episode 11, and Episode 12, the actual finale of the Clone Wars series. I'm Garrett Weinzerl, here as always with Jenny Josephson and Tom Merritt. You two are West Coasters, so I know you've already seen it and have had a little bit more time to digest. I am an East Coaster and go to bed at a, at a, norm, at a, at a reasonable hour. Let's call it a reasonable hour. This is now Monday evening on May the 4th. May the 4th be with all of our listeners. And I have had minutes to collect myself emotionally and hit record on this. So how you doing, Jenny? <laughs> <laughs> I watched it at 9.01.01 last night. And I was so thrilled that they were not doing relative time um, that I uh, uh, watched it with Matt. And I thought... 24 minutes has never gone by in two seconds before or since with so much happening yet delightfully so little happening such a clean simple story with such a devastating ending and i've been thinking about it all day and i would have already rewatched it like four times if i hadn't been so busy yeah, I mean, I got to watch it at a reasonable hour, too. Sorry, Garrett. Uh, so because I'm, I'm in the same time zone as Jenny. And I, I was incredibly thankful for the ability to just let that be the end of my night uh, to, you know, to just kind of drift off to dreamland, pondering 
that ending, which isn't an ending because uh, we've seen Star Wars Rebels and, and, and there were lots of big pointy signs to, you know, to to indicate where we know Ahsoka will end up in Rebels, where Rex will end up in, in Rebels, uh, but without feeling like it was pandering or, or, you know, like, you know, winking at me or anything. Just just a, a, if you didn't know Rebels or you haven't seen Rebels uh, you're not missing anything. You're not losing anything out of, out of this plot. And it, as we, as we talked about on previous shows, it is the parallel line of Ahsoka Tano, who is in some ways what Anakin should have been, right? Mm-hmm. She's disillusioned too. She's angry too, but she doesn't let it overcome her. She doesn't lean into her anger. She's sort of like the actual child of obi-wan and anakin Mm -hmm. like anakin gave her the best of what he had to teach obi-wan even though like they weren't ever like totally aligned like he was always like anakin's not teaching you right ended up teaching her so much that allowed her to really fully become uh, even if not a like a legit certified sign and seal jedi probably a more compassionate, more resourceful, more badass Jedi than a lot of the characters that we've seen in the later, in the end of the Republic. I would call her a force wielder. Yep. That's fair. Yeah. Just don't make me spell wielder because I'll spell welder. (laughs) She could be a force wilder too. We also saw her in a a total jumpsuit. That I'm pretty yep. sure she got from the Dicky store, ready to go be a grease monkey in the uh, yeah level. Horse uh, welder. Yep, yep. So good, so uh, freaking good. Oh my gosh, it was it, for, and also for all the brassing off that everyone's done about new characters in Star Wars that aren't Han, Luke, and Leia, and blah 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 blah. blah. Let's just give credit where credit is due. That Ahsoka Tano was a rough start in terms of a character that everybody liked, they thought they were there for Obi-Wan and Anakin. They probably were. And then this character just kept growing up and she snuck up on you and she developed and you saw her later in her life in rebels and you are getting whiffs that she might show up in other places. And, Oh wow. Did this character pay off at the end and really for it to, to end. And again, hello, we're a spoiler podcast. Don't listen to this if you haven't seen the end of Clone Wars uh, or we're going to talk about it Um, for it to end the clone story and and put a chapter ending on Ahsoka's story is really well done and really well engineered and just beautifully, beautifully pulled off. Yeah, I mean, I would uh, you're right. I would have never if you would have told me that Clone Wars will end as the story of Ahsoka Tano. Uh, after season one, I would have said, great, that saves me a lot of time. I won't bother watching this. Right. I mean, it would have been like, that's a, because usually when you, when you bring in the animated special extra character to the other folks, it's a pet, if not in actuality, in, in character and it's not deep and it's there for comic relief. And that was snips in, in season one. She was, she was not a deep character. She was there to play off Anakin and provide some kind of whimsical comic relief sometimes. And they grew her in a way that makes that now feel like a real 
young person, right? Young people can often be a little overenthusiastic and annoying and you kind of wish they would just settle down, but they grow up and they calm down and they mature. Uh, and if all goes well, they become something greater than those who taught them. And that's kind of what we see with the Ahsoka Tano storyline. Yeah. I, I don't know which analogy I want to pick up here. One that just addresses Ahsoka in the beginning seasons as just r- straight up like the child viewer's surrogate or the fact that you just describe like a lot of pop punk bands I liked growing up. <laughs> 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 they all started being a little too rowdy and eventually they graduated to uh, concept Music. albums. Uh, Ahsoka are, Tano, also the story of Green Day. Yes, pretty much. Yeah, starts off bratty and snot-nosed then eventually does a rock opera that is still a little bratty and snot-nosed, but is much <laughs> more, but is still like grandiose and operatic and, uh, geez. Anyways, um, yeah, I've, I've like, like I, we, we have two episodes to talk about today, so we need to talk about Order 66 and we need to talk about saying goodbye to the Clone Wars series. Uh, but like my, my like takeaway like when, when credits rolled and I was thinking about this and like, like, like just my ending feeling is they stuck the landing. Like, and, and there's only so many pieces of fiction I can say that about. <laughs> it's like, I don't think I have enjoyed uh, a, a show this much. And I'm and I realize I'm about to invoke another animated show, but like, screw it, like throw animated show out. It, it's irrelevant that the other show I'm going to compare this to is animated. I don't think I have enjoyed a show this much since Avatar The Last Airbender. Mm. I think it ends yeah. as well, as strongly as Last Airbender does. Uh, and to me, that is the highest compliment I can pay this. Uh, I'm just, I'm just pleased. I'm over the moon. I am like moved on a deep and personal level <laughs> by the way that they decided to end this. If, if I, if I have any criticism, it's that they broke these up into four episodes, right? Yeah. Like it's really you know, about it. Yeah. 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 I, like like the, la- the last episode, I felt like, oh, this really wasn't an episode. This was the breakneck last 20 minutes of this movie that I've been watching in pieces over the last several weeks. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, have you ever done that where you you're watching a movie? Usually for me, it's rewatching, but you're watching a movie and you get interrupted and then you go back to it a few days later and then you, it takes you a while to finally finish it. That's what this felt like every time. I'm gonna watch yeah. Lord of the Rings from now on. Every movie is at least a two-day watch, if not three. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Hell, I did it with uh, episode three on Sunday. We, uh, Katie and I, started watching it, and then we paused it right at "From henceforth, you shall be known as Darth Vader." Oh, terrible <laughs> line delivery, by the way, in a movie that I absolutely love. Um, and then we we paused it, made dinner, and then we finished it. You know, just seemed like a good place. Oh, Order 66 has happened. Let's let's pause it here. This is a great place to just yes. next time on the Revenge of we, the Sith. We, we think Rex, uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but that's what happened in, in the Clone Wars. We got paused after the execution of Order yeah. 66, yeah. right? I, I guess I guess for me and I, I can't I can't speak. I'm not going to put words in either of your mouths. But I guess for me, if you're tuning in right now, hoping for a, an even keeled critique of the piece of fiction that is the Clone Wars finale, you will not find that from me because I'm going to use the term gift so many times today while referring to what the finale of Clone Wars. I, I think Wars. it's pronounced gift. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Tom Merritt. Um, yeah. Let's I, order 66 it because yeah. I cannot wait to talk about this episode. Woo. Yeah. So uh, episode 11 shattered uh, happened Friday this past week. Uh, Thursday night for West Coasters, you bastards. Um, and I didn't 
think there was another 30 minute segment that could stand up to Ahsoka versus Maul. I really didn't. And they were like, I, I, and I'm curious because I know, I know neither of you are as diehard episode three fans as I am, but I feel like this transcended being an episode three fan. Like what, what transpired in Shattered. And, and I just went back and rewatched it because of these episodes. Put uh, it that way. Nice. Yes. So yes. Yeah, just I, to see I, the pieces fit. I thought the 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 way they borrowed from Revenge of the Sith to give us the waypoints uh, worked really well. Where where you're you're sort of I assumed you're supposed to think, oh, Ahsoka is sensing this through the Force. She's she's sort of hearing that it's happening, uh, but it let us know that that's what is happening right now. But I love that we were getting an away from the action. Uh, look at it. You know, in Revenge of the Sith, they give you the montage, right? Like all of a sudden, the clone troopers all turn their their guns uh, on each of the Jedi in all these different places. In this, we got the beauteous gift, uh, as you would say, Garrett, of seeing what happens next. It's not just they all shoot Ahsoka Tano and then off to the next piece of the montage. There's a breakneck chase. There's a, you know, a, 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 an attempt to take one of the clone troopers and try to convert them back uh, from from Order 66 that ultimately is successful. Uh, and and yet it's only the one that that she can do. And, and how is she going to survive? All the way up, and this goes into the next episode, to, you know, a firefight between the... I, it was not lost on me that Ahsoka, not a Jedi, is the one Jedi who could hold off the clone troopers when they tried to assassinate her. And also the scariest thing, I thought the most chilling thing about these two episodes, and I think we're just going to end up talking about them back to back, really, uh, Shattered and Victory and Death, um, is that... The, you got the logic much more behind the, the switch that flipped in the clones' minds, right? It mm. wasn't just like, now they're brainwashed stormtroopers. No, they're perfectly the same people that they were, except they have one extra order, which is based on like the flipping of a logic circuit. Please, someone fix my computer metaphors. But it's like, instead of zero, it's at one on this one issue. Everything else they remember, everything else they understand. And it's just like, no, now we're going to kill a bunch of Jedi. Yeah, because they're treasonous, right? right. Like yeah. it's I, I oh, like that traitors. they gave a they gave them a reason that would fit into their framework, so they wouldn't be rejecting the idea. Like, wait, That's but right. why do I think that? They're like, oh, well, they're tra they're they're traitors. Well, isn't that sad? But I guess we have to kill them now. That's right, and it's yeah, it's chilling and it's compelling, and you also got like something that I didn't expect that I would see, which was a clone in shattered Rex struggling to fulfill the order that has switched in his brain because he, he probably uh, equal helping of both. He deeply, deeply cares about Ahsoka Tano. And also he has this previous experience that, uh, uh, with fives. So he has somewhere in the back of his brain, this memory of this thing occurring and he's struggling and he's fighting it. And he's telling her, giving her one good piece of information to help save her life. Yeah. It's, um, not it gives a lot of i think really good reasoning and backstory for like why ahsoka can even escape from an event that claims so many jedi lives and it's not i'm not typically the type of person that needs a lot of explanation i know it's a, a lot of people get hung up especially in star wars films with 
not enough setup or explanation for things. Um, but I, 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 you know, think with something like a series, it's very similar to a book. You have a lot more room to breathe. So you can really play with that and dig deep into it. But it's like, I took Ahsoka, you know, force sensing, you know, Anakin's turn. Cause we hear the, the, uh, Palpatine's like Senate room scene play out where, where, uh, Anakin cuts the hand off of Mace Windu and inevitably leads to his demise and becomes Darth Vader. We, we hear that play out in Ahsoka's mind and, and as, and as much of a touchstone that as that is for, I think us viewers, especially those of us who have seen episode three to give us an idea of where in the timeline this is taking place. I think it also puts Ahsoka on guard. It, she suddenly, I think it's what I'm trying to say is I think because of her connection to Anakin, that she had a slight leg up compared to all of the other Jedi. Uh, because in episode three, having just rewatched it, Yoda senses what's going on. And that gives mm-hmm. him, it puts him on guard one second earlier than he would have been otherwise and allows him to to get the upper hand on the clones. Obi-Wan the same way, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan got sidelined. He just got lucky that he was riding a big iguana. And much like he would sacrifice Yoshi in Super Mario World, uh, <laughs> the poor iguana mount. Uh, takes takes the hit for for Obi Wan. He also lands, but it's it's only the people who had an inkling of what was going on with Anakin. It's the people closest to Anakin who survived. Yep. Yes, and in this y- anyway, Yoda, who was the closest to them all, right, could yeah. sense all of their. Yeah, but Ahsoka um, was like twofold. She had a connection to Anakin and Rex, and her had a connection which caused Rex to hesitate for all of a heartbeat. Yeah. So, okay. So let's just take a little moment here, a little moment uh, to talk about the genius of how they set this up, knowing that we all know what they know that the characters don't know, which is often my favorite way to experience uh, a big dramatic event. We're all on the edge of our seats, just like, how are they going to do it? And they had this incredibly heartwarming uh, moment between Anna, um, sorry, Ahsoka and Rex uh, on the bridge of the ship where she has successfully done what literally almost no other Jedi has done, which is capture a Darth, a former Darth, uh, a former Sith. Uh, I was watching this and thinking to myself, I hope Jenny is happy with this weird Mandalorian sarcophagus that they have put Darth Maul in. After- First of all, it's gorgeous. Like, get me one of those for me. Like, it was amazing. Um, just the design elements of like, well, you could imagine what was going into those energy streams on the inside, which is like whatever Jedi kryptonite is. Like, it really sold the case of how he would not escape uh, while he was being transported. And like, just the profound level of like calm satisfaction that she had in doing her job and also I would be totally down for like a Bo-Katan uh, Ahsoka Tano uh, rogue miniseries somewhere down the line in the comics because they had a really good like vibe and I would like to see that somewhere in Ahsoka's history that we don't see uh, if it fits in the increasingly puzzle piece timeline did anyone notice the Ursa Ren cameo yep nice she didn't say anything. They didn't go. They, I did notice a, a profound level of restraint all throughout these two episodes where they lightly brushed up against rebels with a very thin brush, but did not go overboard uh, in the way like some people thought certain cameos from Rogue One went overboard. Like they really held back okay. and focused on their story. I, I, I would agree in that uh, other than let's not downplay the wonderful starring role of Chopper's cousin, Cheap. Cheap, <laughs> which 
you know, the the fun part was watching people like debate it out. And I was like, no, he was found on a chopper was found on a Y wing somewhere else. But cheap is definitely like a delightful wink and a nod because you really could imagine they just pop the top off that one droid cheap, put the top on the other one. He's chop. So it was, yeah, I kept, I kept right. waiting for there to be a gun blast at cheap that turned him into chopper somehow, Dang. like, you know, just broke him in the same way. I had to go a Googling to figure it out that it probably was not actually Chopper because yeah. it was Dave Filoni voicing it. But it oh. was just delightful. Um, rest in peace, Cheap. Rest in peace, Cheap. So the scene, I just want to talk about like the art of that scene where Ahsoka Tano is fending off a, a circular firing squad of clones, including her pal Rex, who has just had his switch flipped. Uh, and how she escapes and what she does and the choices that she make are so impactful in the second episode for the last episode, second to last to the last episode. Um, it's just like an effortless piece of storytelling that probably took a heck of a lot of effort. Yeah. Shattered's impressiveness is that it conveys all of the emotion uh, that, that you want to feel from distant events that aren't happening on the ship without slowing down the fact that this is really just a breakneck action episode from from beginning to end it's the how does ahsoka not get killed and maybe save rex in the bargain i thought the the soundtrack did a lot of the heavy lifting because the the beginning portion uh, up until order 66 is declared there is an ambient electronic soundtrack that sounds frankly alien to star wars i would almost go as far as to say this seems out of place for star wars but in the best way because it's it's some of the coolest most unique music i've ever heard used in star wars fiction and then when order 66 is declared as much as the previous two episodes danced around using freaking duel of the fates they 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 were like this is where we just use a track from the films and they use the exact same score from Order sixty six in episode three, as as Ahsoka is fending off the clones in that in that circular on the basically it's a map table, so she's fighting yeah, and incredible it, it it just went from and and it works so well because they're the the sound up until that point that ambient soundtrack is just this. It is just this. It, it it basically takes the form of the pit in our guts because we know yes. what's coming. Rex and Ahsoka are feeling triumphant. They have captured a Sith Lord. They're taking him alive back to Coruscant. They couldn't have done a better job of what they set out to do. And yet the music in the background is just like, "You're you're all gonna die. What are you doing? Run for your lives!" And the music, and I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. I don't know who did the music for this. Give them an Emmy for the love of God. We beat Dooku. We won. We beat yeah. all. The we war won. is over. Like, yeah, it's all over now. Everybody wins except dot, dot, Everybody. dot. Everybody. <laughs> um, so another thing I just want to say out loud here for all time is let's just hear it for droids, huh? Like loyal, faithful, awesome, cheerful droids. And I really like the little touch where Ahsoka was like, are you sure you want to do this? Because it's dangerous. Like, it's not like, go do this. Is She really has a relationship with all sentient beings. I think it's delightful. And the droids are the only reason that she survives past round two, uh, because they're completely on her side. They help her 
diagnose Rex. They help her seal the doors and reseal the doors. And then my favorite part is where they literally carry Rex like a little uh, bassinet made of droids into his medical bay. So just some really fine work here saying like, yeah, the clones were then, but the droids are forever, I think is where I was going with this. Can we we take one of what will be, I'm sure, two? Well, I guess, no. Let's take one stop to talk about retcons. Because we all read the Ahsoka Ooh. novel, yeah? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's take a retcon break. Do I everyone, remember it? Everyone Dubious. down. I, I do. <laughs> it's the only Star Wars <laughs> book I've read more than once. Um, <laughs> so, um, obviously, the, the, we didn't really talk about the... We, we've lightly touched on the fact that her the, the, the color of her lightsaber blades were changed. I'm, I'm so okay. You know what? We'll talk about that at the end. We'll talk about it at the end. Never mind. There okay, will be no, two yeah. retcon breaks. Um so Ahsoka being the one that removes Rex's chip, I believe it's not in the novel. I believe it's in Rebels where Rex yeah. explains that he removed his then chip. He before. mentions that. Yeah. 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 So bit of a retcon here. Do, do we care? No, not the least. This is the prime storyline here. No. In fact, I liked that. I thought Rex avoided Order 66 because then when he doesn't, I was on the edge of my seat because I have, I obviously knew he survived and and says he, he he doesn't you know suffer from order 66 itis anymore uh but now i was waiting to find out okay what really happened yeah yeah it, it it didn't bother me in the least either it was it was so strong from a like a story perspective of of the of this you know the 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 bond between these two characters and also just from an action perspective it was a perfect tee up for Rex waking up at the last at like the 11th hour to to save Ahsoka from the the clones in the in the doorway um and what a great place to end shattered I I screamed at my television I was like no more I need more I need more now when it when it just cut the black at that point um yep. and then we get to the victory finale and death. yeah victory and death uh, which just I am like you said, I'm surprised how fast 24 minutes could go by. I'm surprised how much of this just took place on a crashing Star Destroyer. Yeah. Now, so the previous the one piece of information key to this episode is that Ahsoka made a choice and let Darth Maul out to cause chaos. And boy, did he cause chaos besides awesomely. Uh, and I just want to take a tiny break here to talk and say that the consistency of physical action across all Star Wars properties, including the video games, is so impressive because the action that Maul does in Shattered and in um, and Ahsoka also does in Victory and Death is so consistent with playability in other games, <clears throat> including Jedi Fallen Order, uh, including like the way that uh, Darth Vader used the ship in at the end of Rogue One, like, wow, the meetings that they must have to establish that level of physical consistency across how many years of movies is just bananas. Anyway. Yeah, I guess the only exception being A New Hope, where it was just clearly two old men who couldn't see fighting poorly. <laughs> yeah, fine. They were old. Everybody was old. Uh, so I, I really... Uh, what I loved most about Shattered was that, you know, Darth Maul pulls a ship out of hyperspace by literally pulling the hyperdrives out of the ship, which, whew, that's a lot. Uh, and the moment where the ship 
pulls out of hyperspace this triangular behemoth that we've been seeing throughout all the Clone Wars, um, which are in some ways even more impressive than the eventual Star Destroyers, just in their like solid durability. Smoking out of space is also very reminiscent of The Last Jedi with the hyperspace smashy smashy, uh, but in a different way. Yeah. yeah, I was I couldn't help but think of it either. And and not so much that it like directly reminded me of the Holdo maneuver. It was just that the last Jedi was the last time I saw something in in regards to like a, not necessarily space battle, but even just a ship in Star Wars that surprised me. It showed me mm-hmm. something I hadn't seen before. Before that it was Rogue One with literally slicing a star destroyer with another star destroyer by pushing it into another one. Like it's 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 rare that Star Wars shows us something with ships that we haven't seen before, and here in Clone Wars, I've, it's something I would have I would have thought to do in like a pen and paper role playing game. Well, can I get to the hyperdrive room? A DM goes, I mean, I I guess nothing's stopping you. Clearly, having not prepared for this suggestion, uh, okay, I would like to uh, roll to pull down the hyperdrive. All right, man, you're gonna need. Wow, okay, that's a triumph. Okay, I guess that's gonna happen. Which, by the way, is. The equivalent of a nat 20 in in uh, the Star Wars pen and paper role playing game. Uh, it was I'm just sorry, great. I just it's, blacked out. What's going ju- on? It just seems so amazing. Like, 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 like I could see the boardroom meeting happening. Like, well, what if we just went to the hyperdrive room and just ripped everything up? And they're like, well, what would happen? I don't know. I guess it would rip them out of hyperspace. Let's let's use it. Like, it just seems yep. so creative. And, and I could almost see the collaboration just. Well, and, and none of none of this is believable. It's not believable that Ahsoka Tano would ever want Darth Maul to go free. She just fought so hard to keep him. It's not believable that Darth Maul would decide that destroying the ship he's on is his best chance of escape. But they give us the situations in which these otherwise incredibly unlikely events are the only options. Ahsoka Tano is now suddenly being chased by everyone on the ship and freeing Darth Maul is, as she says very clearly, they they give us exposition to underline it. Uh, I don't want you, I don't do, I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing this because I'm out of options and this is, you know, this is the thing I have at my disposal uh, to, to possibly give me a chance to get out of this shit. Uh, And Darth Maul the same way. Like, I don't think he, you know, could easily sneak down to the shuttle bay and steal the shuttle without being seen. So he decides to be like, oh, you know what? She had the right idea. I'll cause chaos. That'll help me too. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like we, we talked so much in the last episode about how, Obi, or uh, I guess two episodes ago about Obi-Wan not mm. taking the bait from Bo-Katan about invoking Satine and like making the choice that Anakin couldn't, but it, it like, now seeing Ahsoka make all of these choices is almost like Obi-Wan, the choice that Obi-Wan made, made when Bo-Katan invokes a teen and really threw it in his face, that was the only choice he could make. And the choice that Anakin made when he chose to go with Sidious to try and see Padme, that was the only choice that he could make. Obi-Wan and Anakin are like fixed forces. They cannot be moved from like their core beliefs. Ahsoka can. Ahsoka is the most pragmatic of both of them because, I mean, she is the poster child for Grey Jedi. When we talk about that term, we're usually talking about Ahsoka Tano, and that's exactly what's happening here. Uh, Obi-Wan or or Anakin would not have made the decisions here that they made. Uh, Obi-Wan may have thought to let Maul go. Anakin wouldn't have. But Obi-Wan probably would have killed the clones. Anakin wouldn't have. But here we see Ahsoka making both decisions as one person. 
So my favorite part of this episode was obviously a bunch of clones uh, popping up and down on the ship, the main hangar deck, like little action figures. Like (laughs) they've been so close up on their humanity throughout this entire series and they're developing humanity and the surprise of their humanity and their growth that the second they switched to the Order 66 mode, they just became toy soldiers until I I would say one crucial part at the very end. But even then, Ahsoka still hones in. She's like, I don't want to kill all these people. Like that's not the way I want to go even though it's literally her life. And so her choice to do it the hard way almost costs her her life. Um, So Darth Maul steals this shuttle, right? Uh, Things are looking very grim. Uh, I I blacked out. I don't even remember what happens after that, but it all gets very dramatic. It's, it's, you know, you're right. The clones do become toy soldiers. And yet in Ahsoka's, unwillingness to just treat them as fodder it, it it like pays respect to the humanization of the clones for seven seasons right and, yeah. and this is a game where i kind of come back to like this is the freedom that a series gives you versus films we didn't have time in the prequels mm. to get into the humanity of the clones you know find out what type of people they were and realize that they had each each individual quirky personalities and attachments to their commanders and so on and so forth but here we do and and it's like, to me, it like Ahsoka was like the audience, like saying goodbye to the series in, in that. No, I'm, I'm not just going to slaughter these people. It's, it's, it's not their fault. And, and yet she has to. And she does kill a lot of them. Uh, and we see that memorialized. And I, I love that that close up shot uh, where we go from, you know, the multiple clone helmets on sticks now, not as a macabre uh, indication, uh, you know, of, of, of something awful, but as a, as a way to honor the, the fact that these were, uh, you know, potentially unnecessary deaths if it hadn't been for Palpatine and the, the, the actual helmet with her emblem on it, showing that the, the pain and agony, uh, of this decision of, of what she had to do. Well, she had to kill the people who were honoring her while they were trying to kill her with her own emblem on their face. That is some stuff. My, my minor challenge here. Uh, she wasn't really killing them. They all died because Maul's, Maul caused the ship to crash. Well, didn't some of them die when she deflected their laser bolts at them? Uh, I guess that's true, but so <laughs> we were doing a watch. I, mean, I can't imagine that she didn't kill one of them when she was. I know she didn't want to, but she was also deflecting their own laser bolts. Uh, got, Rex was I'm, shooting stuns, but they weren't yeah, shooting stuns at her. That's that's fair. But you're right. Most of them probably did. Yeah, die because I'm getting of hung up on the on the elevator. So we were doing a live watch party with a couple of our very close Star Wars friends. And, and one of my buddies goes, when the ele- when she dropped the elevator, she's, he's just like, I thought she didn't want to kill them. I'm like, they're fine. And he's like, no, they're not. And then you get a shot of them starting to wake up at the bottom of the shaft. I'm like, see, they're fine. <laughs> so that's what yeah. I was getting hung up on. So remind me again, because it was, it's been like almost 24 hours since I've seen it. How did they get out of there again? What ship did Rex end up in? It was a, a precursor to the Y-Wing. Mm. So there just was another ship somewhere. They ended they, up well, down yeah, in uh, basically the the mechanics quarters because uh, Rex has a throwaway line of uh, all of these are under maintenance. Like none of them are working, but they found one that was. Yeah. And he's able to get into it. Uh, remember. And then they have that amazing thing where Ahsoka is, is force jumping through the atmosphere from pieces of wreckage to pieces of wreckage, huh. trying to land on the ship that Rex is flying. So she can climb into the cockpit with him. Oh, the shot Mirroring. of her running yeah. across the 
dismembered like husk of an engine with this y-wing in the background with like atmosphere perspective oh it was just absolutely i want i want the concept art for that shot and i want to freaking frame it and hang it on my wall and it's also an emotional mirror of the last time she did that in the beginning of the siege of mandalore where she was just skippity bibbity bopping down to the surface in a very controlled way and now we literally get that at the end of the arc in a desperate save my life kind of way as this giant ship is crashing down onto this small moon that's no moon no it really was a moon no it really uh, was it really was <laughs> in this case it in was. this case it was a moon um and so uh, I really loved it and like the desperate thing. And then I went back and watched Rebels, the the ones where they refined the clones. And there's so much more resonance to those episodes now um, in how Ahsoka lost touch with Rex, but she didn't really. It was sort of done to them. And the joy and the hug that she gave him when they were reunited is really profound now in a way that I don't think it was uh, mm. before. And then, of course, there is that one final little bit of this episode. Oh, I, I am immediately going to start watching Rebels after this. Um, yep. Uh, also, also, just I, I just need to, as a costume nerd, I just need to give a, a hat tip to, I love that Rex switched back to his Mark I clone helmet uh, post, like, Order 66. Yep. Like, I'm out of here. It's a bunch of you freaking toy soldiers. I'm going back to the, as someone who much prefers the Mark one armor to the Mark two. I love it. I love it so much. It just made me giddy. Um, but yeah, we get to, to where, where this ends, which is so time. Yeah. Time has passed. Significant time has passed because they crashed in the desert in at least some temporal time, like fall or whatever. And then we cut to the same hulking wreck, which is no longer smoking, under snow. And uh, someone is looking. Oh, well, Ahsoka has left something very valuable behind. I think that's Yeah, this is where I, I go, oh, they're not retconning this as much as I thought they were going to. Because in the Ahsoka novel, there's a flashback to her and Rex essentially faking their own deaths and her leaving her lightsabers behind in a fake grave. And that's basically what happens but here. they did yeah yeah what 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 the book doesn't say is they probably spent days burying the dead out of respect yeah. which hit me in the gut uh yeah and then along comes you can't have an end or a beginning or a season end or a video game end or any kind of end without one darthius vader uh who shows up on this uh, named moon uh and finds Ahsoka, sees the graves, finds Ahsoka's uh, lightsaber, and that's all you blinkety blanken get. Well, it, it looked like a probe droid had been sent out to look for yes. her. That for was a second, the I thought it was Hoth. Right, because you're like, this is this is Hoth. But the probe droid being there, at first I was like, well, then why is there a probe droid here? I'm like, oh, he sent probes out to find Ahsoka. Yep. You know he did. And they found that lightsaber and reported back. And, uh, you know, you could imagine a, a spinoff episode or a comic book where he sees the wavery picture of the lightsaber and knows immediately that's her. And then shows up to to find, you know, to look for the evidence of what happened to her. It's Yeah, it's Darth Vader, at least in the comics that I'd read so far. Definitely like tooling around the galaxy is a little bit of an investigator, right? Yeah. It's not all slamming people into walls and dramatic stuff. Like for a while, he's just kind of wandering around the galaxy, just being like, well, I wonder what's over here. I also feel uh, like part of it is he could not stand being around Tarkin. Well, yeah. 
absolutely hated it. Like, I feel like he missed the glory days of the Clone Wars. He's like, oh, this is too peaceful. I want to go crack skulls. Yeah, not a builder. He's a he's a seeker, um, and uh, you know, uh, not really going to be doing a lot of work uh, in the manual side on building a Death Star. No, it just. I love the the, just the descent into darkness these final four episodes were because you think you think back to that first bridge scene on you know one of four out of this and it's bright warm colors and everything and by the end of this we are on a snow covered hell maybe it was ash I don't even know <laughs> yeah. it might as well have been because this was essentially a monochrome scene and it really reflects episode three in that way episode three ends in very monochromatic fashion until we get to Tatooine basically once we leave Mustafar it's gray it's gray and black and yeah. the same thing happens here and especially with Darth Vader by the way red lenses uh, chef's kiss Vader's got the red lenses from a new hope um but just picking up the saber and I but I look at and this is why I'm like I could not be more okay with the decision to say we're, we're changing we're changing Ahsoka's blades to blue I I have a lot of reasons why I like it but the main reason is it, it at, with this extremely stark ending of, of Vader standing in front of just a mass grave. Vader holding a blue lightsaber is something we've never seen before. And to me, that is like mm. a shimmer of hope. That is a light in the darkness is this, this stark image of just black and gray hellscape Vader holding a bright blue, blue lightsaber. Boy, props to this team for, Look at how just how much they've evolved in their artwork and their storytelling skill and their ability to tell the stories that they want to tell. Um, they've been on what th- with this Clone Wars property, three different platforms over the course of the show. If mm-hmm. I have that right, mm-hmm. like you are correct. Unbelievably good. I'm, More, please. I'm so to me, this this feels like the like an ending for Star Wars. Like, mm-hmm. You know, yes, yeah. You're it's done this, forever. You're this done with is Star not, Wars now. Well, I guess the Clone Wars is over. This is the Clone Wars is over. Yeah. Done. We sealed it. Yeah. The mainline Skywalker saga is now complete. Oof. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm except for every other smushed in <laughs> graphic novel till the end of time. Yeah, well, I, there's yeah, just like good and, point. And this isn't even me coming down on on the rise of Skywalker, which is a haphazardly constructed film that I still enjoyed immensely. Um, it's but, fun. But I don't know if it was that, the fact that the movie was somewhat problematic or the fact that it was one-to-one competing with the Mandalorian, which just took me by surprise, just really took the ground out from under me and what I expected from Star Wars fiction. But, but it didn't feel like the ending. Like the Mandalorian felt like it kicked the door down to a brave new world of Star Wars. I'm like, Oh my God, the possibilities are limitless as I smack my microphone, like a podcasting noob. Um, but now seeing the Clone Wars finally get put to bed and this like, I'm, I didn't say gift as much as I thought. Like this truly is a gift as far as I'm concerned. I never thought I would get to see this series, uh, get the ending that they had originally thought they were going to get to. And I've, I have since watched an interview with Dave Filoni. He said, Oh yeah, no, no, no. My thoughts for how this ends has changed many times mm-hmm. since, since it actually got canceled. Um, but there were parts of it. He said that were always there. And apparently ending with Vader was, was up like on the board as a possible ending for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I would just like to say, um, you know what? Uh, three cheers for complexity in Star Wars, right? Like so often the Star Wars movies have dealt with complex themes very simply. Uh, and it, I think in the new series, uh, 789, um, it, 
in some ways, simplicity was villainized and complexity was villainized. And then the third movie was villainized just for existing. And like there was just so much polarization. But this series really managed to get the balance between simple storytelling and complex characters. Um, if not right from the very, very beginning, they really caught their groove and they ran with it over so many years uh, to like just an incredibly satisfying conclusion. It, it really the the universe, the galaxy seems to play out very well in serialized form. Like it seems to me, like in the grand scheme of things, I feel like just because it's a numbers game at the end of the day. But like, there's just something about Star Wars that it, it, when we get out of the Skywalker saga, that just has so much more room to breathe when we are dealing with a series uh, instead of feature length films. And and as much as I love the films, and I really really do. Um, I think there's, there's a lot to be said uh, about just how well this fiction applies itself to a, a, a half an hour to near hour formats of, of bite-sized story that I really, really enjoy. I think as, as we go forward, we're going to find that if you want to live in the Star Wars universe that is now the, the new canon, uh, that, that you're right, uh, a series episode that it's exploring a corner is the better way to do it. The, the, the last season of Clone Wars is exploring a corner of the Star Wars universe. It's the Ahsoka Tano corner. Uh, we have Anakin and Obi-Wan, you know, cross through, but we're not getting their mainline stories, right? This isn't like Rogue One where we're like connecting points of the larger story. We're seeing Ahsoka's story and, and Anakin and Obi-Wan are there to illuminate Ahsoka's story, not to just show up as a cameo. Uh, and the Mandalorian is the same way. It, it's, it's filling out a corner of the universe that isn't important to understand the nine Skywalker saga movies, which is why it's free to do some things that are really cool to do a feature film. Now you're going to need someone who is able to thread that needle and, and say, okay, I need to be able to explore something that doesn't have to tie into the rest of the universe, but is still compelling in two to three hours on its own. And that person is Taika Waititi. Yeah. <laughs> the future is in good hands. And some ladies. I saw the segue also. coming and I was like, will Tom go there? Of course he will. He's Tom Merritt, the king of the segue. Nine out of ten, ten out of ten, ten out of ten. The judges would segue again. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so to, to put a cap on it, I'm, I'm sure just, that's going to go great. Couldn't be, <laughs> I couldn't be more pleased. I really couldn't be more pleased yeah. or or fulfilled. With Incredibly it, satisfying. In fact, it makes me want to just go watch everything in chronological order. Mm-hmm. From from wizard wizard pod racer boy right up to Ray Barry and Sabers. Well, I'll tell you what, there's this one convenient place you can all do it, but they don't pay us for ads, so you'll just have to figure it out for yourself. Yeah, okay. you'll have to do some addition on Ad- your own. Yeah, some Disneyition. Do the math. <laughs> hey, do, you, do you think Disney Plus is interested in podcast sponsorships? Do you think they need the advertising on uh, on, yeah. on this niche? They don't, the they don't have a lot of cash to I mean they have a lot of cash but they don't want to spend it on that right now I also love May the, the idea be with you that, at least for 30 days free <laughs> <laughs> I love the I idea it. that uh, also they would be interested in advertising 
on a podcast that only talked about a single episode of a show that you can only watch on Disney Plus. <laughs> Why not? Good, uh, anyway, cheers to Filoni and crew. Cheers to the voice Yay. actors. Cheers uh, to all of us for getting a really satisfying ending to a Star Wars thing that I hope we're all basically in agreement about. Because if not, I think you're out in the cold, people. Uh, but let us know what you think. Feedback at let's talk about Star Wars dot com. All opinions welcome as long as they're, uh, you know, nice. Uh, and we're super excited uh, that you're doing this with us. It's like this was good. This was really fun. This, this obviously Clone Wars is special to me. This podcast is very special to me. It's yeah. I'll say that of the most effortless things I have ever produced. <laughs> I mean, uh, at least once we actually start recording. Before that, it's just me cursing a lot about. Yeah, you guys missed <laughs> the best part. You be guys missed the best part. I'm yeah. like, now this doesn't work. One day um, we'll we'll start doing this live on the regular, and you will all get to get privy to how many damn technical difficulties we have at the start of almost every episode. But Patreon level. Yes, Patreon level. Uh, I guess I am the odd man out. I will move to Southern California where we can just do this in person, even person. if we have to wear masks. Live shows. While doing so. In front or of people. As they say, Those next year in Batu. <laughs> oh, yes. We'll meet at Oga's Cantina, which would be a t- the apps, probably the worst place on God's green earth to record a podcast because it's so loud. And uh, we'll do a live. I got the good mics. It's, it'll be okay. <laughs> well, wonderful. Yes. Uh, send those emails in. Patreon.com. Let's talk about Star Wars if you want to support the show. Before we leave, I just, I just want to just keep shouting at you two about how amazing this was and how close to a religious experience it was for me. Um, but we do need to call it at some point. Jenny Josephson, when you are not talking about Star Wars on this one particular podcast program, where can people find you? Possibly also talking about Star Wars, but probably other things as well. Well, you know, generally you're going to find me on Twitter. J-E-N-N-I-E-J-23 is as good a place as any to bug me about all the things I should be doing in the podcast space, but I'm not doing because uh, I got some other things going on, which I'll tell you about someday. Mr. Tom Merritt. Hey, uh, if you like science fiction, which you might, since you like space fantasies like Star Wars, uh, check out my books, Pilot X and Trigger, about a time traveler named Pilot X and his time ship Verity. Uh, there's a lot of fun. There's coffee. There's pie. There's saving the universe. Tom'sNewBook.com. You can find me at Garrett Art on Twitter if you want to see my tweets. Today it was me staying the shit off of Twitter so I didn't get spoiled by everyone who either stayed up late or was living in a better and more convenient time zone. Uh, everything else, this podcast included, can be found over at amove.tv. That's A-M-O-V-E dot TV. Go check it out. Lots of nerdy podcasts for you to consume. It's going to wrap it up for this episode of Let's Talk About Star Wars. Until next time, Ahsoka lives. Always. May the fourth be with all of you. 